I feel compelled to warn you that the scripture you're about to hear may possibly cause brain damage. This scripture is dense, y'all. It is complex. It's hard to navigate. The average sentences in today's culture are between 15 and 20 words long. The average sentence in our scripture reading is 53 words long. So I just want you to take a deep breath with me. And don't be scared. I promise we will get through this together. But we are going to need to pray. Let us pray. Holy God, send your spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened so that we would know what it is you would say to us this day. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear now a reading from Ephesians. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power." God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And God has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. That was a mouthful. Y'all, that was just six sentences. The longest sentence in our reading was 85 words. Even for the Apostle Paul, this is verbose, which is why most biblical scholars think Paul did not write the book of Ephesians. For that reason, and because Ephesians reads more like a sermon than a letter, we're just going to refer to the writer of Ephesians as the preacher. <laughs> now, what in the world does this mean? What is the preacher trying to say? I'm going to try and summarize for you, okay? 
in short sentences. First, the church in Ephesus has a reputation for faith in Jesus and for the love of all the saints. People are talking about them, apparently. There's something in the way that they live that has sparked interest. And so this preacher has heard all about them. Apparently, the church in Ephesus has heard what the preacher refers to as the word of truth or the gospel of salvation. And as a result, the people in the church in Ephesus were quick to believe or to entrust themselves to Christ. Which, according to the preacher, resulted in the Holy Spirit marking them, which gives them a promise of inheritance. For all of these reasons, I remember you in my prayers, the preacher says, and here's what I pray for you. I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened and you would know the hope, the inheritance, and the power to which you all are called. Let's just take a minute. Another breath. All right. Now to break it down even just a little bit further, I want us to review the spiritual journey of those who make up the church in Ephesus. So they have heard the gospel. They have believed or have had, they now have faith in Christ. Their faith has manifested in love for all the saints and they've received the Holy Spirit. And the preacher's response to their journey of faith is that he prays for them. So he prays that they would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would see God with the eyes of their heart enlightened so that they will know hope, inheritance, and power. The preacher's deepest desire for them, his greatest prayer is that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. How we see is important. Because this enlightened seeing is for the sake of knowing God. And knowing God is essential. In particular, knowing God is revealed in Jesus. How we see is so critical to our preacher that their prayer for the church in Ephesus is that they would receive wisdom and revelation. He prays this prayer for them because he knows that their spiritual journey has only just begun. And it will be essential for them. It's going to be really important for them to continue to grow in their knowledge of God in order to sustain and deepen their faith over time. The Greek word for wisdom is Sophia, and its meaning not only points to a special sort of discernment or insight, this sort of wisdom can actually guide your intuition, but it's, it's a kind of knowing that changes you. This sort of insight or enlightened seeing so transforms how you think that it also changes how you act or behave 
the sorts of choices you make. It can cause you to reorder your priorities. The clarity that this insight provides completely changes you. And the revelation that this preacher desires for these faithful followers is a disclosure that makes fully known its subject, which in this case is God, who also happens to be the source of this revelation. The preacher's talking about divine revelation. Why does the preacher pray for this? I mean, of all the things that this preacher could pray for this church, could pray to keep them safe, could pray to guide them in all that they do, could pray to increase their numbers or to make them fruitful. Why not just the traditional God bless you and keep you? Why pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Cindy Rigby is the W.C. Brown Professor of Theology at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And in her book, Holding Faith, A Practical Introduction to Christian Doctrine, she explores the notion of divine revelation. Divine revelation is an offering by God of God's own self for us. It's not something that we can manifest through our own efforts, she says. And then she goes on to cite Paul's theology as reflected in the book of Acts as Paul preaches to the Athenians about God. Walking through Athens, Paul notices among the many altars that are there in the city that are dedicated to various gods the people worship, he notices this one altar that's a little bit different. Its inscription is dedicated to an unknown god. Paul turns to the Athenians and, pointing to the altar that they've dedicated to a god that they don't know, he begins to preach to them about the god he knows. In so doing, he tells the Athenians and us, Rigby says, a great deal about the character of Revelation. He emphasizes that Revelation is accomplished by God, not by us. He explains that Revelation means that the God that we thought was unknowable is knowable, grounded in the person of Jesus Christ. Rigby goes on to say that this model of knowing for which Paul is advocating even as he develops his arguments before the Athenians, is not as much about gaining information as it is about being affected by the content of what is being known. So Paul, preaching to the Athenians, tells them that the God they think is unknowable can be known, but not through research or not through intellectual pursuit, but through divine revelation. God's own self-revelation in Jesus Christ, which cannot be obtained through our own effort, but only as a gift. And it's not for the sake of supplying us with data or with factual information, but for the sake of transformation. Divine revelation is meant not to inform us, but to transform us, to affect us, who we are what and how we think, how we see, 
with the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Why does this matter? There are times when we feel like God is unknowable. Times when our faith falters. Times when we could use a spirit of wisdom and revelation to help us see. Today is All Saints Sunday. This is the day when we remember and celebrate the saints who have gone before us, those who have died, especially those who have died in just the past year. When we face death, we often struggle with our faith. In the face of grief, it's often hard to see clearly. It's hard to know God. It's hard to know that God is with us. It can be difficult to know or to remember the hope or the inheritance or the power to which we are called. It can be hard to remember the hope, the inheritance, the power we have in Christ. The United Methodist Book of Worship names what we most commonly refer to as a memorial service or a funeral a service of death and resurrection. The use of this language is meant to articulate faith in a resurrected Savior, a Savior in whom we believe we too will be resurrected at the end of our lives. It's not meant to deny deep sadness or anger or confusion or even fear. It's not meant to deny the grief that we rightly experience in the face of death. In fact, we open these memorial or funeral services most often with a prayer that says, in part, give to us now your grace, O God, that as we shrink before the mystery of death, we may see the light of eternity. To see or to glimpse Eternity in the midst of death, something that seems so final. That is our prayer. It seems to me that if we are to see the light of eternity, we might need the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. In the face of death, our faith is often shaken we may find it more difficult to entrust ourselves to Christ. This is when a spirit of wisdom and revelation are critical, when nothing makes any sense, when we feel most that God is unknowable. It's with the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God makes God's own self known to us, that we might see what we can only see, with the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that the hope, the inheritance, and the power to which we are called is the hope, the inheritance, and the power that God, our preacher says, put to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It's the hope, the inheritance, and the power that our saints in death have come to know fully. The hope, the inheritance, 
and the power of resurrection. These are the riches of all the saints. The riches to which we all are called in faith. May all of our may all of us receive a spirit of revelation and wisdom that our that the heart the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. Let us pray now the prayer that we pray in faith in the face of death. Let us pray. O God who gave us birth, you are ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. You know our needs before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Give to us now your grace that as we shrink before the mystery of death, we may see the light of eternity. Speak to us once more your solemn message of life and of death. Help us to live as those who are prepared to die. And when our days here are accomplished, enable us to die as those who go forth to live, so that living or dying, our life may be in you and that nothing in life or in death will be able to separate us from your great love in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all the people said, Amen.